That's the sound of Green Hearts, the vegan vibe. This week, we're trying something different. Brandon and I are recording from two different computers in two different places. So we'll see how that works. I'm going to start with some general notes. I'm going to give a big thanks to our international listeners. We've been getting viewers from all over the world and emails from all over the world, too. We've been getting emails from uh, places like Finland, Germany, the States, and Canada. So we're going to read a couple emails because um, our favorite parts of uh, podcasts are uh, when they read the emails. So here's the first one. Hey, Alex and Brendan. I'm writing to you to let you know that I love your podcast. I was putzing around iTunes last night and typed in vegan cooking and your podcast popped up. I was so pleased after listening to the first episode, I downloaded all the podcast and stayed up until 1 a.m. listening. There was humor, character, knowledge, and learning to be had and accumulated, and all-around entertainment. I'm a vegetarian experimenting with vegan and gluten-free cooking, so I enjoy hearing your points of view. Keep up the good work, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. I'm going to read another email. Hey, Alex. Hi, Brennan. I just wanted to tell you that I enjoy your podcast very much. I like the fact that you don't focus on veganism alone, which is great, and there are other podcasts doing that quite well. But you speak of the fields that are cl- more or less loosely affiliated with veganism, such as environmentalism, a do-it-yourself a- attitude, or just being kind. It's kind of long, so I'll read the whole thing. But he mentions something about lactose intolerance, which is interesting, so I'll read that. Lactose intolerance is nothing like an allergy. It's the normal state of an adult mammal. Babies of mammals produce an enzyme called lactase, which allows them to digest lactose in their mother's milk. Lactose, for those of you who don't know, is a component of milk. It's the sugar in milk. Yes. When mammals grow up, they begin to eat other foods, so there's no need for that enzyme, and they stop producing it. Most people in the Western countries have adapted to drinking a lot of cow's milk, so basically they're all mutants. As you stated correctly, the overwhelming part of the adult world population, especially in African and Asian regions, is lactose intolerant, which doesn't mean they have a health deficit, but they're just Mm -hmm. not mutants. Um, Mutant isn't meant to be a derogatory word, it's just the fact of the matter is we've adapted to be able to drink milk into our adult life, and it's not normal for any being to do. I learned in biology class last year that it's actually a mutation in our genes that has allowed adult mammals to uh, process lactose. Yeah. Continuing on with the email, it says, anyway, thanks again. I'm looking forward to you talking to Dino, which just goes to date this email. We're catching up a little bit. Hope to hear from you soon, Martin. Thanks a lot, Martin. We really appreciate getting emails from listeners all over the place. We have another email from, from Mickey. Hi, guys. Love the podcast. I've been a vegan for 13 weeks, and after I started listening to the Vegan Freaks, I've been checking up on the people online and podcasts they've recommended. I heard you on Dino's podcast and found your podcast on the Vegan Freak forums. Okay, so I'm interested in learning more about organic gardening, about harvesting tomato seeds, as you mentioned. And just a note, we'll, uh, we'll talk about this in a future episode. Yeah, actually, just to clarify, we're going to talk about it in the next episode following this one. Not in the point five, but in the one next. Just so if you guys are looking for it, that's where it's going to be. And I'd like to know if it's possible to grow vegetables and herbs indoors in the winter. I live in an apartment and don't have a garden, so anything I would grow would be on the balcony or inside. As I live in Finland, where you can't grow anything outside in the winter, I'm curious about growing things indoors. I should also mention that we have very little daylight in the winter, about seven or eight hours a day. 
School lunches I also wanted to comment on. I've heard about the bad food choices in America, but I didn't realize that the schools were actually supporting it. In Finland, school lunches are free and made in the school kitchen. They're not that good, but it's not candy and sugary foods anyway. At the university, we had to pay for lunch, but there was usually three to four alternatives, including vegetarian food and a salad. Extra salad was included in all the alternatives. Vegan food is not available at the moment, and that's why the Finnish Vegan Society has launched a campaign called Choose Veg to help schools learn about healthy vegan food. Anywho, thanks for reading my email, and keep up the good work. Michaela Mickey, 26 years old, from Finland. Thanks for the email, Mickey. Right now, let's go to Halloween, and I'm going to start with our allergy of the week that actually isn't an allergy, but it's something that you're going to avoid. Gelatin. For those of you who don't know, gelatin is made by boiling animal hooves and uh, skin to take out a thickening agent which is used to thicken things such as candy. There are many natural thickeners such as carrageenan and xanathan gum, but gelatin is really cheap because it's a subsidy of, it's subsidized by the government, so that's why you find that in a bunch of candy. But it's really easy to avoid, so I'm sure you guys will do fine. It's always in the ingredient list, so just don't buy any candy with gelatin in it because it's nasty and it's not vegan and it's not mm-hmm. vegetarian. And even if you're an omnivore, yeah. it's still gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's nasty. No matter what you follow, no matter what diet you follow. We're going to have two recipes of the week. First one's caramel popcorn. I made popcorn one day and decided that I wanted something sweet with it, so I just randomly threw together this recipe. What you do is you pop some popcorn and then you make a, a syrup and you boil it until it gets to the hard crack stage of candy. And we're going to talk about that uh, in the next recipe, and it'll also be on the website in the um, show notes. So you bring it to the hard crack stage, then you uh, pour it onto the popcorn. Make sure to do this carefully because the caramel can get up to over 400 degrees centigrade, so you don't want to splash that on your skin. I got a little tiny bit on one of my fingers, and it caused like a huge blister to form, so be careful. Pour it on the uh, popcorn and toss it up kind of like a salad so that it's all coated. Salt it just a little bit so that you have the uh, sweet and salty flavors, and enjoy. There's also going to be a candy recipe posted, like just for hard candy that's really simple. So make sure to check out our website, greenhearts.ca. Both of those will be posted, and they'll be delicious. Yep. You'll love them. Brandon's going to read us an article. I was on the Vegan Freak forums. I'll put a link in the show notes because one of our listeners mentioned the Vegan Freak forums and I'm going to mention it, so I'm going to put it in the show notes. I was on the Vegan Freak forums talking to a member who has a few allergies that are similar to Brandon's. So I contacted this member and she wrote me a very lengthy and informative reply that I forwarded to Brandon and he took some interesting knowledge from it that he's going to share with you lucky listeners. So first of all, we made a mistake in one of our earlier podcasts. Uh-oh. We said, when we covered the soy allergy, we said that you couldn't eat seitan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for remembering that. Real, yeah, it was, it was a horrid mistake, and we're sorry. Gluten. Seitan is made from wheat. And since reading the email, I've started eating hemp. Now, it wasn't, you know, a horrifying email or anything. Um, I went to my local health food store, and being Brendan, I couldn't find anything in the store. So uh, I asked a nice lady, and she pointed me in the protein powders, and it was really neat. There were a couple different varieties of the hemp protein powders. You can get a chocolate-flavored one, 
And mm. Alex th- seems to think that this would be nasty, but I think I almost bought it. It sounded cool. Anyway, <laughs> in the email, the lady had said that it tastes a little bit green, but I beg to differ. It doesn't have that much of a flavor if you add it to things. The things that you can add it to include smoothies and baked goods and other cooked things. What kind of protein is in this? Hemp protein. <laughs> how much protein oh, do you how get for much? I thought you said what kind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did, but... <laughs> as far as nutritional value goes, it has about 15 grams of protein per four tablespoons, which is pretty high, actually. And it has omega-3 in it, both of which I was in need of, so it was perfect. Just so you guys know, Brandon was asking earlier, protein is a macronutrient. Just kind of a fun fact, there's micro macronutrients, and then you get into minerals and all that junk, but protein's a macronutrient, so say that to people when you try to impress them. Indeed. So, back to housekeeping, but I decided to split it up because we have a lot to say. On our website, we have edited a little bit of stuff, we've added some color and some other stuff, so go on there, check it out, tell us what you think, send us an email. You want to talk about indoor gardening, yes, Brandon? Yes, this is for you, Michaela. When Mickey sent us an email, she asked about indoor gardening and gardening during winter. And I replied to her email as fast as I could. This is pretty much what I told her. There's lots of different options for apartment gardening, first of all. If you don't have much room or, and you're lucky enough to have a balcony, you can put plants in pots. I actually live in an apartment during the school year and my sister planted some really nice um, tomatoes, basil, chives. We have a bay tree. What else? Well, while you're thinking, if you're interested in doing compost inside, you can compost with a, a rather large bucket and have worms inside, and they'll eat your food. Just make sure that they're in a healthy environment, and that way you don't, you'll get soil, and you won't have to put it outside where it's freezing cold. Right. There's a lot of failure in indoor gardening. Well, there's not lots, because... It depends on... Yeah. If you're, if you're gardening indoors, as in you're planning on growing a plant all year round in the winter, then it's a little bit harder than just planting in the summer. If you're indoor gardening in the winter and you can't bring them outside, you're in a cold uh, environment, and you don't have much sunlight, a good idea would be to get a fluorescent grow light. Now you can get these at your local hardware store. It throws a little bit of heat, uh, most importantly light. So you can even grow them in a uh, relatively dark room. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up, uh, Mickey. If you end up gardening indoors, let us know how it goes. Well, on to the hip tip of the week. Uh, it's getting to be winter, so I'm going to talk about winter biking. This is my area of specialty when it comes to commuting. I'll try to keep it brief, but I'm really passionate about this. So if there are any bikers out there, um, even if you're not planning on biking in the winter, A, you should just try it for fun, even if you're not doing it to commute, and B, uh, this should be pretty interesting, I think. So, biking in the winter. First things first, get yourself a mountain bike. Some people out there use road bikes to bike in the winter, but it's a really bad idea. Unless what you call winter is not actually winter. <laughs> um, well, I mean, some people down south call winter like slush. That's not, that's not winter. Yeah. I'm talking like if, you're, if you get into the freezing values and it stays freezing all winter long. So anyway, personally what I like to do is I like to transition into winter by wearing thicker and thicker clothing. So in autumn I'll start wearing things like leggings biking and just a long shirt, both obviously made of non-cotton material. Um, any man-made material will work, uh, just so that it wicks sweat and keeps you dry. Um, and then when it starts getting to winter and it's too cold to just keep on adding layers on, what I do is I put on a pair of um, rain pants, like not slush pants, but really hardy 
uh, silicone-based rain pants. And then underneath those, I'll put a thin pair of leggings or long underwear that are really thin. And then on my torso, I'll wear a t-shirt or a long shirt, depending on how cold it is. Obviously, again, man-made materials and a rain jacket. And this isn't a very conventional choice because it keeps in a lot of heat. But the benefit of that is it keeps in a lot of heat. <laughs> so people people see me biking in literally rain clothes and long shirt and long pants. And they think, man, like you must be freezing because I'm biking out in minus uh, 37, minus 40 weather. But really, I'm warmer than they are in their car. Like, honestly, I, I build up so much heat in that. Um, other things to get clothes-wise are um, ski goggles. Make sure to wear those after about minus 15 Celsius. A balaclava that's really thick is also helpful when it gets colder than minus 15 Celsius. And sometimes you supplement that with um, either another balaclava on top if it's too thin, or you can just wear a bandana and tie it around your neck, kind of like, you know, some people wear those as decoration, I guess, as an accessory. Um, as far as gloves go, I don't recommend wearing gloves at all. I recommend wearing the thickest mitts you can find because gloves don't keep your hands as warm and you don't really need the flexibility of your fingers when you're biking on a mountain bike, depending on what kind of shifter you have. It's really easy to switch your shifter if you've got one that you need two fingers. You can just switch it to one where you can just use your whole hand and turn the bar. Shimano makes some good shifters like that. They're really cheap. They're like 15 bucks, and it's really easy to switch them on your bike. Continuing on, I wear thick socks. You don't need to be overly thick. And I wear winter boots, which makes sense. <laughs> but between the winter boot and my rain pants, I wear gaiters. They don't have to be thick, but the point is they block out the wind. What are gaiters? Gaiters, I'll put a picture in the show notes if I remember. No, I'll put a picture in the show notes. And they're just basically a transition between boot and pant. It's kind of like wearing a sweatband around your legs just to kind of block out that little air hole. Okay. As far as your bike goes, get a mountain bike. Make sure that it's in good working order. Get a front spiked tire. You can find them anywhere. There's some really good spiked tires made by Nokian and by Schwabel. So they make some really good tungsten carbide spike tires that are a definite must if you bike in the winter. You only need one for the front unless you're really worried and then you can get one for the front and back because the front is where you steer, so that's where all of the pressure is going to be. And as far as that goes, that's pretty much all you need to know to start off. If you encounter any problems, you can definitely email us at greenheartslive.ca and I'll be more than willing to help you address your problems. I know enough about winter biking because I've done it for a year and I'm subscribed to an ice bike mailing list, which has a lot of really helpful information. So if you have any trouble, email me. And if you have any more questions, email me. I hope that is uh, enough information. Oh, oh, I've got a good story too. One time I was riding my bike before I got the front spike tire. This emphasizes that it's a must. I, uh, I got to a four-way stop. I stopped my bike, but I forgot that I was on glare ice. So I used both of my brakes and my bike literally just went sideways. And then after I was going sideways for a while, it went like horizontal to the ground. I slid with my bike for a good five, <laughs> five or eight feet. And then <laughs> the first thing I did when I stopped is I, I looked up looked around and made sure no one was looking. <laughs> but after I realized no one was looking, I hopped back on my bike and kept on going. <laughs> so get a front spike tire. <laughs> they're like they're like anywhere between 50 and 200 bucks, but even a cheap one will work and it's worth it. Okay, that was kind of long, but totally cool. No book of the week, but instead of the book of the week, we're going to have another short little Halloween segment on making your own costume. Well, you can make your own costumes for Halloween. It's really thrifty. It's easy to do and it adds a personal touch to a really great holiday. Right. Some some costumes that you can make are... Oh, um, you can make... <laughs> what are they called? 
Uh, oh, you can make mummies uh, out of uh, cutting up old bed sheets, or you can uh, cut up rags and attach them to uh, pajama tops and bottoms. You can make a clown costume just by using a really cool pattern and sewing it together in a simple way. Right. Or if you're good at uh, sewing, you could go to your uh, local fabric shop, or even Walmart has really good uh, patterns. <laughs> yeah. So you can make uh, you can make costumes from home. It doesn't even have to be. Uh, a mother or your mother if you're a child listening to this um, you can sew it too I do a little bit of sewing and it's not even a girly thing so don't don't say that poop head yes historically even sailors yes the manliest of sailors had to know how to sew quite well to fix the sails on their ships so if anyone ever comes at you and says that it's girly just remind them that sailors and pirates yes pirates are cool they're cooler than ninjas, guys. They're cooler than ninjas. Um, yeah, they had to know how to sew. Um, and if you guys are doing any sewing, make sure to let me know. I'll invite you over to my Nona's house. We'll have some good food. So, it's good time. <laughs> I, did, I did that last week when I fixed my pack sack. I changed the zipper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, seriously, like, even if you live in New York. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'd be creepy. Oh, boy. Uh, let's invite all the creepy people into your house. Into your Nona's house. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I'll take it back. But uh, it's a good time. Yeah. Um, we have two quotes of the week this week because they're related. So I'm going to say mine first. This is a Cree Indian prophecy. It states, only after, the last cre- <laughs> only after the last tree has been cut down, only after the last river has been poisoned, only after the last fish has been caught, only then will you find that money cannot be eaten. Um, the only thing I don't like with this quote is that it refers to eating fish, but... The point is that money cannot be eaten, and you have to respect our land. Right. And the second quote is also, it's a Native American proverb, and it goes like this. We do not inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. That's really good. Right. I like that one better than mine. Well, I like them both. Yeah, I like them both. That's why we read them both. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Indeed. So I think that's it for this week. Right. I hope you liked it. Yep. Um, I hope the quality is good. Brent and I are going to have some fun trying to get both of our audio tracks hooked up together. Lots of cool stuff going to happen. Yep. <laughs> um, if you want to contact us, you can email us at greenhearts@live.ca. Visit our still spanky new website, greenhearts.ca. I'm constantly editing this thing, so it changes constantly and hopefully for the better. Mm. And once you go to our website, greenhearts.ca, go to our blog and make sure to vote on what kind of diet you follow. That's it for this week's episode. We're going to have some bloopers after the outro, so stay tuned for that. Also, I'm sorry for being sick for this episode. I hope it's not too noticeable. Yeah, Alex has swine flu, and he's, uh, he's giving it to all you who are listening. I do not have swine flu. <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious if you did? Yeah, not be funny. Huh? That would not be funny. I think it would. Okay, (laughs) that's this week's episode. Stay green, be kind. Bye. Bye. Uh, uh, That's a laugh. Wow. Man, you're bad at reading today. (laughs) What are you doing?
Oh god. <laughs> I'm blowing my nose. We're gonna have some bloopers after the intro. <laughs> We're gonna have some bloopers after the intro. That's right. <laughs> Why are you laughing? It's just demeaning. Uh, I'm making more bloopers. Awesome. Peace out, fool. <laughs>